Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Today, we are talking all about tempo runs. As coaches, we get a lot of questions as to what the difference is between tempos, thresholds, steady states, progression runs, marathon pace work, half marathon pace work. There's so many different paces to run, and so many of these paces often get referred to as tempo runs. Many athletes get confused and want to know kind of the specifics of what each of these runs means and when to do them. It's very important to understand where these type of runs fit within your training cycle, and we are going to do a deep dive into the detail and the differences between these different types of tempo runs and different workouts that you do within your training block. Today, I have with me Coach Jason, who is the head cross-country and track coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls. He is also a coach here at Run for PRs, and he has about 10 years of coaching experience under his belt. Um... We are going to be chatting about tempo runs with him because he has a lot of experience um, working with a wide variety of runners from 5K athletes all the way up to, you know, the marathon distance. What's really interesting about the tempo run is it's important regardless of what distance you're working on. And we're going to go into detail as to when it becomes more and less important and how it plays a role just based on what sort of events you're training for specifically and what your goals are. So Jason, I would love to kick it off if you could just give a quick definition of what even is a tempo run for people listening. I would define a tempo run as basically uh, a pace that is faster than your easy pace, but not quite race pace if we're talking like 5K. So um, basically it's going to be um, depending on what type of tempo we're talking about. So let's get into that right now. So the three types of tempo we'd like to talk about today basically are going to be your uh, like aerobic threshold and then your lactate threshold. And then anything faster than that, we're just going to refer to as anaerobic. So it's basically interval type training um, where you're doing your speed type workouts. So um, if we start with our aerobic threshold, you know, typically that's going to be um, anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute faster than your easy pace. So example, if your easy range is nine to 10 minutes, your um, aerobic threshold is probably going to be around um, 8.30 pace to 8-minute pace. And then your lactic threshold is going to be about 30 seconds faster than that, and then so on. And so, um, yeah, I think that that is the best way to describe threshold or tempo is just running faster. Right, yeah. So it's a little bit of a faster than easy pace, but it's still working that aerobic zone. So you're basically, you know, I've heard of tempo runs and that lactic um, threshold zone referred to as, you know, if you picture a tub and the faucet is on, um, you know, the tub's going to fill up you know, if the drain is there, but if the drain's not there, it's kind of like the, whatever the level is of 
the water draining out of the tub and coming into the tub, it's it's the same as like all of the buildup in your muscles. So you you want to be riding the line. Um, you don't want it to overflow, right? Like you don't want your bathtub to overflow. And you also don't want it so that there's like no water in the tub. Um, you have to make sure it's challenging enough. But you also don't want to be running too fast because you're, then you're going to be dipping into this anaerobic zone. So it's kind of this like middle ground where you ride this line. Um, and that's why it's really important to not go faster than your tempo paces. And that's kind of why we're having this discussion here today, because I think sometimes when people get into the tempo runs and they see, you know, a workout prescribed, um, you know, if you're, let's, let's just do, uh, something that most people could maybe relate to, you know, if you're a 145 half marathoner, you know, that's about an eight minute pace for a half marathon. Your threshold workouts are likely going to be, you know, between 745-ish pace, you know, to 750s. Um, and it's really interesting because you you assign these workouts and they might look something like four by one mile at this pace, you know, with a very short rest in there. But really, you know, an athlete might look at that workout and go, well, that's really easy. I could go a lot faster for four miles, you know, with a little bit of rest than, you know, 745 pace. Um, But you have to go back to what is the purpose of the workout. And so when you stress these systems, they um, produce results. So you don't want to like go too overboard. Um, It's all about that like progression, progression overload principle and making sure we're working on the right systems. so Jason, <clears throat> I guess what would happen if you did go, you know, too fast on a tempo run? What happens and what sort of um, like part of your body is working? Or why is that not beneficial? Well, then your body really turns into, um, you know, basically the VO2 max or the interval um, phase, which is more anaerobic. So you're not going to be able to sustain that pace for as long. And if we want to teach our body to be able to handle a pace um, a consistent pace for a longer period of time. Let's say we're training for a half marathon or a marathon or even a 10 mile, very important to work and stress the lactate threshold zones and not the anaerobic zones. Cause when you get going too fast, you're not going to be able to maintain it for very long. You're going to start to slow down. Um, the other thing is too, when we think about how much, um, of our training should be spent on these types of runs, you know, I think back to like the Matt Fitzgerald, 80, 20, um, philosophy where 80% of our runs should be an easy pace. And then that leaves that 20% for workouts. Um, you know, if you're constantly doing your workouts too fast, um, then there's really no room there for you to be doing your lactate threshold work. So we want to probably get at least 10 to 15% of your, of your hard workouts to be lactate threshold at that pace. So again, that's a comfortable pace that you're going to probably be able to handle for, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and sometimes we break it down, give you a minute or two in between if you're doing like mile repeats or maybe 10 minute tempos or whatever. So it really just depends on your um, experience with, with workouts and how long you can sustain that, those paces for. All right. I love how you um, brought up that 80-20 principle. And that's just something that <clears throat> is really important to remember is that we're not always going to be running at this pace. This is like a workout pace. This is a pace where you're going to be, you know, stressing a certain zone to get a specific result. Um, and I know earlier I was referring to that person who was the 145 half marathoner, you know, eight minute pace for a half marathon. And, you know, I actually just went on this dot calculator. So for anyone who's interested, um, making this more realistic to them. What I would suggest doing is, you know, Google search uh, a VDOT calculator and some will pop up. One of them is the Run Smart Project and 
I usually use that one when I'm calculating paces for athletes or just trying to, you know, figure out what are people's threshold zones and all that stuff. So you can plug in a recent race result, you know, like a 5k, 10k, those work really well. Um, I would steer away from like plugging in your marathon time because a lot of people don't actually run to their potential and what their true VDOT score is in the marathon. I mean, maybe you do, but most people I'd say don't. So I would use a shorter distance time, um, plug that in, and then it's going to give you a threshold value. So you can go under training paces and it gives you this threshold value. So earlier I was saying 745, this says 748. And it's very, very specific um, because you really want to ride that line and we don't want to be going too far above that. Because like Jason said, um, then you're going to be dipping into this other zone called the anaerobic zone, which is great. And it has its own uses um, and reasons why we would stress that zone. But if the purpose of a workout is to stress your threshold zone and to improve your anaerobic endurance, it's really important that we stay out of that anaerobic zone because you're not actually going to get the benefits of the workout that we're trying to have you do. So you might be, you know, this 145 half marathoner and see that your mile repeats, you have four of them at the 745 pace, you're in your threshold zone, and you might think, well, I can run a lot faster than that. And we would agree as coaches, yes, you can run a lot faster than that. But the point of the workout is to stress a certain system and to create a certain result. And so by you going too fast and saying, you know what, I'm going to go a little bit faster than this. I want to run, you know, 5k pace, 10k pace for these mile repeats. You physically for sure could probably do that. Um, Most athletes would definitely be able to do that. Um, but then you're just totally neglecting what the purpose of the workout is. Um, you're, you're going to be working a completely different zone. You're going to not get the same results from it. And over time, what can end up happening is these athletes that are grinding out these workouts. They have a lot of like raw speed and raw potential and like the short stuff they can do anaerobic. Like they can race a mile super fast. Like they can shoot out like a pretty fast 5k. But then like as they get into the half marathon and the marathon, it's just like things start to fall apart. And, and that's where we usually see people aren't doing the correct workouts to gain that endurance or they're racing their workouts. And so that's why it's really important that we stay in the right zone, stress the right system. Even if it seems a little bit boring, <clears throat> it's definitely um, giving you the impact that you would like. I always think about it like, you know, if you're going to go to the gym and you're going to deadlift and you want to do like four by, you know, eight reps, you're not going to go on and put on a ton of weight and make it super challenging. I mean, you could do that, but you have to figure out what is the purpose of this lifting session? What is the point? And so everyone has a purpose. Super important to stay within that threshold zone. So I think we've kind of talked a little bit about what that threshold is, why it's really important to stay on that line. Uh, But I know there's a lot of people that will refer to some tempo runs as like marathon pace tempos or, you know, you often see steady state runs or progression runs um, or like half marathon pace tempo. So Jason, I am just curious, how do these play in and how are these different than like your typical threshold run? Yeah, good question. So, um, you know, your threshold is going to be a bit faster than your marathon pace or even your half marathon pace. Um, but we, we use the word steady state or the phrase steady state to basically emphasize a range so that you don't feel like you have to run that certain pace for the entire time. So, you know, back when I was pretty fit and training for a marathon, my, you know, my, my goal marathon pace was about six to six Oh five per mile. And, um, instead of just running a tempo run at that pace, I give myself a range and I call that my steady state. And it would basically be anywhere between six twenty and six minutes. 
So you can see there, I kind of buffered in a few extra seconds for things like hills or wind or whatever. And so we just don't want you to be stressing about the pace. Um, I think giving you that range and having it be slightly slower than marathon pace, especially early on in your run is a good idea so that you can sustain it for the entire duration of your run, because sometimes those tempo runs can last, you know, four or five, six miles. So you definitely want to not start out too fast. And that's why we prescribe more steady state runs instead of just you know, a five mile run at marathon pace, because then we just get too worked up about that number. Um, so, and to kind of expand on that. So like my threshold at that time was probably closer to about 540 to 535. So you can see how it's about that 20 to 25 seconds faster. Um, and that lactate threshold is basically, um, you know, the rate at which you can run for an hour and still have your body process the lactate without it you know, like Victoria mentioned, riding the line where you, if you go a little bit too fast, like if I was going about 530, 528 pace, I wouldn't be able to sustain it for the hour. I'd, I'd hit the wall because it's, it's too quick. And that's going to be where my interval paces are going to be, um, where I can build in more rest. So, um, I think that, you know, for me, when I'm prescribing workouts and in training peaks for athletes, I kind of like them to, see all the pace ranges. So one thing I'm doing now is I'm putting the easy pace range, the steady state range, the threshold range, and then the interval range. So, um, they can kind of in their mind, think about that as effort, effort, uh, ranges as well. So your easy range would be like maybe, I don't know, 55 to 65%, um, your, or, or yeah, probably around there. And then steady state would be like 65 to 75% of your max effort. And then threshold is going to be at least, you know, 80 to 85%. And then intervals are going to be 90. So that's kind of how I like to break it down because then you can think about it from that standpoint. Right. I love how you talked about giving your athletes those paces and letting them see kind of like what each range is. And I know I talked a little bit about pulling up your own specific numbers on a VDOT calculator and figuring out what pace ranges you are supposed to also be um, running in. But one thing, you know, we're very pace specific. I like to really go off of paces. Um, I, I think that those those numbers don't lie. You know, getting a solid time trial or race under your belt so you can assess what level of fitness you're in and then using paces based off of that. Um, I know a lot of people... Uh, you know, they ask about the heart rate situation and I feel like this could be its yeah. own separate podcast, but I just wanted to address one thing with the, <clears throat> when it comes to heart rate is that, you know, for these threshold runs, sometimes your heart rate is not going to get into the zone that it necessarily says, you know, it has to be in order to be working threshold. Um, for a variety of different reasons, uh, just there's so many things that impact like what is going on with your heart rate. Like if it's really cold out, um, if you're doing it, you know, and you're freezing, if you're doing it, you didn't have like a super long warm up. uh, you know, there's just so, I mean, sometimes you even have faulty like technology. Um, so we like to go based off of the paces and, you know, if you were cruising along doing like four miles at your threshold pace, and then you check the heart rate later and it said your heart rate was only like 140, um, and you were trying to like hit 160, that doesn't mean that you weren't in your threshold zone. Um, it just means, you know, there's other factors that are involved. So what I don't want people to think is like, they have to go out and hammer their tempo run um, just to get their heart rate in a specific zone. Um, same can be true for, you know, if your heart rate gets too f- high. Like you might think, oh, this is higher than it was last time. But there's so many factors that can impact heart rate. And 
honestly, a lot of the technology out there isn't 100% accurate when it comes to measuring heart rate, especially on the wrist watch one. So we just try to go more off of pace and then obviously effort, kind of like Jason said, it, a tempo run should feel about, you know, a 70 to 80% effort. Um, but I think that's always a question that, that people do ask about. Um, but yeah, I love how you also chatted about the different types of tempos, you know, that there are because marathon pace, like you said, you often will see people call those, you know, steady state runs. That's what we refer to them as. And those are ones that you're typically going to be doing for longer periods of time. Um, You could get in up to, I mean, two hours worth of work if you're, you know, at an elite level around that pace Um, and in, in one run, in one session. But, you know, if you're talking about one of those lactic threshold runs where it's the pace is a little faster, you're definitely not going to exceed probably like 45 to 60 minutes worth of work total. Um, So it just really depends on the run and the location also um, for these steady state runs. They're going to be done probably outside because they take longer and they're more likely to simulate, you know, a marathon event. Um, That's kind of what they were, you know, invented for, I guess you could say, but there's also benefits to running them outside of the marathon. Um, I know Jason has some of his athletes run at that steady state zone, even though these athletes will never compete in an event that's longer than a 10K. And I think the main reason there is just to get used to building more of that, you know, aerobic zone and to push the pace, um, just to to have your body understand the stamina and stress that is going to happen when you run at an accelerated pace over a longer period of time. So there's a lot of benefits there. Um, I know we talk a lot about the benefits of running easy. And what's interesting about these steady state runs is technically, you know, you're still um, within what would be considered an aerobic zone, which is also the same as an easy run. So Jason, can you tell me a little bit more about the benefits and why you have like your 5K, 10K runners run in that steady state zone instead of going, you know, at that super easy pace we always refer to as, you know, three minutes slower than your your 5K pace. We're sometimes having your athletes and other athletes run at a little bit of an accelerated easy pace that would be more around your marathon pace. What would be the benefit there, especially for these like 5K, 10K athletes? Um, obviously there's many, many different physical and, and mental benefits, but when we think about people who are training for 5k, 10k, you know, they're going to be running, uh, their race pace pretty fast. So having them just slow down a little bit, um, and maybe sustaining it for, cause you know, the average 5k time in college is probably like 16 to 20 minutes. Um, so if they're going to do a tempo, uh, probably for 30 to 40 minutes and they slow down maybe 30 to 40 seconds per mile it's still going to be kind of uncomfortable because they're running longer, but it teaches them to really um, stay mentally present and to focus on their pace and staying in control. And then that's going to translate over to their race. Um, the other thing too, is as far as physiological benefits goes, your, your body is going to be, you know, using energy sources from carbs and fats. And it's really important to teach your body how to, um, you know, run at let's say an 80 to 85% of your threshold, as opposed to just running slow all the time. And so, you know, your fitness gains that aren't, the fitness gains aren't really going to occur if you're running slow all the time. You need to, you need to mix in some threshold work and some marathon pace work. Um, it's kind of like a good, 
I guess, gray area to mix into your black and white if you're talking fast speed versus just easy, easy mileage. So um, you definitely want to have the whole package there just to develop all your systems so that um, when, when an athlete does, you know, move up in distance or try something else that they've, they've developed that system as well. Yes, I love how you said that you want to develop these well-rounded athletes. And I think it's really important to remember things like, you know, I think the, the 5K stat for uh, performance in a 5K. So while that sounds really short to someone who's used to like a marathon, um, I do believe it's something like 90% of that is aerobic. The final 10% would be anaerobic or part like 10% of that race is anaerobic. So it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean the last 10%. It just means those are the systems that get used. And so while it is important to develop that anaerobic, you know, for these 5k runners, um, it's also extremely important to be developing that aerobic system. And that's what all of these tempos are doing. Um, you know, so when we start talking about even shorter distance events, cause I know Jason, he, he coaches, uh, track, you know, for the distance there and, the 800, when you start talking about, you know, people who are going to run the 800 meter half mile event, it gets even more dicey. I think it's something like 50, 50%, uh, 50% anaerobic, 50% aerobic. And so there you're going to be spending more time doing the anaerobic stuff because <clears throat> that's where a lot of the, the half the race is coming from. But for a runner who's focusing on anything above, I even think, you know, anything above the 800 meter. So even the one mile, you really need to have a solid aerobic base because that is going to help you more than using that anaerobic um, zone. And sometimes athletes, they have such a developed anaerobic system because they're hammering out speed workouts like crazy. Like I know some people who just have this speed, like they're just so fast. They can do all these reps super fast. My brother's one of these people. He just is like, has this crazy speed. Like I think he can break five in the mile. But his marathon PR is like five hours. And so, and so people are like, whoa, that's, that's kind of crazy. Well, it's not his PR. But he's ran, you know, about a five-hour marathon when he was in that same shape. But that just goes to show you, you know, the marathon is so aerobic. And you can be lightning fast at that, like, 800, that one mile. But that is not going to translate to the marathon unless you put in that work and you develop that aerobic system. Uh, this actually reminds me of kind of a funny story. Our friend Alex Zine, um, what it was his 800-meter PR? Probably like around 154. He was pretty good for a half mile. So, so he ran a half mile in 154. Two. What even pace is that? It's like three-something per mile pace. Yeah, it's, it's like sprinting the whole way. He you was know, lightning fast. I mean, this is insanely fast. I can't even run that fast for like 50 yards. This guy, he goes and he's going to do a marathon. I mean, he was one of the best 800-meter runners in what, like in college in the state? I don't know. So he goes and he does a marathon. And based on his 800-meter time, if you would put that in a calculator, they'd say, he has the speed. He should be able to run a marathon at, you know, I don't know, like 215, right? But because he did not have a developed aerobic system, first of all, he didn't train for the marathon that well, um, he ended up running like 320. So I think the lesson that we can learn there is that like if you have the speed, um, you really got to work on that aerobic system as well. Otherwise, like the times just aren't even going to translate. And this is where it comes into play. Um, So if you're someone who has a lot of speed and you're listening to this, I would say let's work on more tempos because then you're going to be able to carry that distance, um, develop that aerobic system more and just become the best runner that you can possibly be. And I think this kind of ties into, you know, how should we implement this? How do we use tempos? Like how often should we be doing them? These are all questions I think people 
want to know. Um, so Jason, what would you say is the best type of tempo run to introduce? And how do you know, uh, like based on what event these athletes might be training for a 5k runner versus a marathon runner, what the best sort of tempo is, or should they be running the same sort of tempos? Yeah. I mean, at, at first it's kind of hard to calculate paces. You, you really have to, you know, help someone understand what their easy pace is, what their, you know, paces should be across the board. Um, if you're moving up from more of the speed endurance world from a, like a middle distance runner in college, it's going to be a little bit easier to coach them, I think, because you're just basically telling them to slow down to this percentage of effort and this pace. And then they can just, for them, I'd set them up with probably about five minute tempo blocks with like a minute break in between. So I do like a fart, like maybe it's four by five. Um, for an adult who's more focused on half marathon, marathon, probably going to start with a little bit longer. Um, but again, you could do similar and you could just, you could figure out their, the pace that they should be at and give them a range. Um, and then you, you know, you can use your Garmin to kind of check in on how you're doing on the first one or two. Um, but it's really going to be, there, there's no wrong way. I'd probably explore with a few different approaches. So I'd, I'd do a few longer ones. I'd do some shorter ones. Um, and then it's most of the workouts are going to be at that threshold pace or even the marathon pace range. I'm not really going to go too much faster and to that speed endurance phase unless people are really focusing on trying to run like a fast 5k time. Um, so the majority of the athletes we're working with are trying to get faster at 10k, you know, half marathon, marathon. And so even though we may prescribe shorter intervals, it's usually going to be closer to threshold pace. Right. I love how you broke that down. You know, if you're training for the shorter distance events, um, we're probably not going to do, you know, 10 mile steady state run. Um, just the nature of the beast, I think working on something a little bit shorter. Um, and then sometimes you even have combination type workouts. So you might do some strides or some 200s or 400s, um, before going into a tempo or after going into a tempo, um, just to kind of get the legs used to turning over faster after you've done some work at threshold, which is really important. Um, it helps you close in a race. Um, there's also been benefits shown to, doing a threshold run after you do some shorter distance anaerobic speed in the beginning um, because it just teaches your body, again, how to run on tired legs at your threshold pace. And it makes the workout a little bit mentally tougher. You know, going into a workout when you feel fresh and you feel great, uh, that's good, you know, but if, if you need, like, that extra challenge and we need to, you know, continue to challenge you because as you grow as a runner, you know, you might be six, seven years in the sport. If you've been doing the workouts the same way, the same type of tempos, the same steady state runs, um, you're probably going to need to introduce something to switch things up. Um, you can't always do the same runs and expect to see, uh, the results, but I mean, these are the bread and butter. I think tempo runs super important. I think if there, you know, people sometimes ask like, if there's one workout that you should do, like, what is it? And I would say, there, well, there's kind of two. One, number one, strides. Like, that's, yes, you have to do strides. Um, number two, tempo run for sure. Uh, just because the aerobic benefits are so extreme. And there's, we see the most return, I think, off of assigning our athletes uh, these tempo runs. Um, and I know one thing that people sometimes get a little bit confused about is I like to do broken tempos. I like to assign them, especially like first starting out, um, where we'll give a rest period. So there's different ways that you can do these, you know, tempo runs. You could do like 30 minutes straight up, just go. You could also do like 
five by five minutes with like 60 seconds rest. Um, and pretty much you're going to get the same benefit out of those workouts. So Jason, why is that, that like sometimes we throw in the rest period? Yeah. By giving them that minute rest, it's, there's really not going to be much of a uh, physiological difference. It's mainly just more of a mental, uh, opportunity for the athlete to regroup and to mentally kind of get mentally, just be able to slow down for a little bit and then regroup and then kind of get the energy that they need to sustain the next five minutes. So it helps break up the run, make it go by a little faster. Um, I also like to do some alternating tempos. So for people who have, you know, they've done a fair amount of tempos and they've, um, you know, maybe they don't need the break as far as like the one minute of recovery. I might have the recovery be maybe more at a steady state and then the rest of the tempo would be at maybe the threshold. So, um, you know, you're still getting to run, I don't know, maybe it's a half mile at threshold and then you go a quarter mile at your steady state and then you just alternate back and forth between those two. So that's kind of a unique way to run a tempo as well. Um, so there's alternating, there's broken tempos. Yeah, I feel like we're getting into some pretty technical stuff. Hopefully this is, you know, not putting people to sleep with all of our, you know, technical details. But I love doing the broken tempos, like you said, and in the alternating tempos, because it really teaches athletes how to pace. Um, You know, it's easy to stay on pace when you're already on pace. But when someone like throws it, okay, you're doing a jet, like 30 seconds jog between it forces you to like start again and start at the correct pace. And Learning pacing, I think, is one of the most important things in running because, like we said, you know, you're going 10 seconds too fast. Well, you're stressing the wrong zone. It, it, I mean, riding the line, super important. We don't want to dip there. And so I like to break them up so I can see, like, how good people are at pacing. And it's, it's, a, it's a pacing practice. Um, once you're out of that pace and having to jump back in, super good. Um, same with the alternating tempos. I know we do that alternating between, you know, the – threshold and marathon pace for like one mile one mile or not a mile maybe like you know a couple of minutes at threshold mm-hmm. and then a mile at marathon pace and that's beneficial because again it teaches you how to find marathon pace because you know when you're in a race in a marathon we want your body to just know that pace like that we don't want to be stressing we don't want to be like what is marathon pace feel like so we give our athletes a lot of chances to do steady state runs, um, progression runs, those sort of things within longer workouts so that they have an idea of how to find that pace um, when you're out there on the roads. So I guess as people are thinking about adding this, like how many days per week would you recommend starting a tempo run and what's like your favorite beginner tempo? Um... I mean, this is really going to depend on what other types of workouts have you been doing? You know, are you just coming off of running easy mileage? Then we might only start you with once a week. Otherwise, I think two times is probably okay if you space it out three to four days in between. Um, and you do maybe one workout, it has a little bit more threshold. The other workout is more marathon pace. So it is a little bit of a slower. Um, I wouldn't do two threshold workouts in a week um, for a runner who's kind of new to adding this to their training. Um but I guess as far as like a favorite workout, you could probably, you know, it, it really depends again on how far they're running. So if it's a runner who's running four or five miles, I'm probably going to have them do like half mile t- uh, tempo pace stuff with a little break in between. Otherwise, maybe you could do mile repeats or um, even go longer than that. It really just depends on kind of what they're training for. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, one to two times per week doing something really easy. Uh, My two favorites would probably be a broken tempo, you know, doing 
four by four minutes at your threshold pace. And the key there, really important to go at threshold pace or even start slower. It's actually better to go slower than it would be to go too fast. Um, the next one, uh, you know, would be one day of a steady state run. So you might do, you know, four or five miles, a steady state, a little warm up, cool down action. Um, but we just don't want to go over too much over like 20% of your total weekly mileage. So if you're someone who's running, you know, 40 miles a week, uh, I think that would be about eight, eight miles. We don't want to do more than like eight miles worth of workout volume. So, you know, you do that five mile steady state. Well, then you get, you know, three, three miles worth of work on your other workout. So it's just having all the variables kind of in place. And, you know, if, if you're someone who doesn't like to calculate that stuff and doesn't want to figure it out, like that's why sometimes it's nice to have a coach. Cause it takes like all that, like worry and like all the checking every single box to make sure like the week is lined up correctly and all that stuff. Um, that's something that we definitely can help with. Um, and I think another question that some people may be wondering, so for tempo runs, like what happens if you do go too fast? Cause I know some people, um, we'll sometimes start a tempo run too fast. They'll get into their anaerobic zone. And like, how do you salvage a workout that just like you, you went too fast at the first mile and you still have like four miles left to go? Like, do you just call it a day? Do you just stop? Or like, wh- what would you suggest? I'd probably uh, break it up. So give yourself a break and change it into a broken tempo. And then just slow down on your next, your next set or your next rep to make sure you're not going to make that same mistake. Um, you know, I mean, you to say I'm going to throw in the towel, that's just, I think it's best to at least try to salvage a workout as best you can. Um, but again, it, it's going to depend on what you have on the horizon in terms of races and, and the rest of your week and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely make some modifications sometimes in the middle of the run. And I've done that before too, where I've gone out thinking I'm going to do this or that. And then maybe I just don't have the energy that I thought or something's kind of flaring up. And so to play a cautious, I'll always kind of back off or, um, maybe slow it down a little bit. So I think it's perfectly okay to do that. Right. Um, that, that brings up a really good point to just adjust things. And, you know, it, it's totally normal. Like we've all been there, like you go too fast and then you're kind of out of gas. So like you said, take a little breather, like regroup, um, and then just try to finish the rest of the workout as best as you can, like going in the correct zones. And and like we said before, it's actually better for tempo runs to go too slow than it would be to go too fast. So like if you're someone who has the tendency to kind of burn out or not be able to hit their paces because they they go too fast, what I would suggest doing is, you know, you see that that threshold pace we give you, I would just say, you know what, the first first rep or the first two minutes of this workout, I'm going to go marathon pace. Um, because when you say you're going to go marathon pace, like, you know, you're probably going to go even faster than that. And that's, you're going to start at the right pace and then you're going to end, uh, feeling a lot better than, you know, going out guns blazing. Um, but this is, it's super important to learn the pacing here. Um, and I think that's just the number one lesson. Cause once you can learn that and you get that down, um, there's going to be some big game changers. So I guess since pacing is so important, um, we could talk a little bit about, you know, like where should these workouts be done, right? Um, it, it's because pacing is super critical. So if you're someone who doesn't have, you know, any experience doing workouts outside or you just like can't do them, whatever, um, I would actually almost recommend you starting these workouts maybe either on a track or on a treadmill. Um, what would you say, Jason? Yeah, I'd say the same or at least in a familiar area so that you kind of know when streets are coming and and if you can get it to be flat as possible that's good just because you're you're better able to kind of 
gauge how you're doing and you know if you're if you're in an unfamiliar area you never know when when there's going to be a hill too so i definitely would prescribe the track if possible if you can get access to it otherwise treadmill is a good option too i know some people don't have access to either so then we just have to make do with the road but um yeah yeah i mean i know a lot of people don't have access to either of those things so make do with the road is really good advice um but for people who maybe do have access to the treadmill sometimes it's good to try out a tempo session on there just so that you understand like what this pace should feel like um what threshold should feel like and just be able to do it in a non-stressful environment um just because if you're a beginner it can be really stressful like trying to figure out the right paces and i know for me personally, when I look down at my Garmin, when I'm on the streets and doing a workout, it's never accurate. The pace is literally never, it's never accurate. I mean, it's accurate within a certain degree, but it will drive you nuts if like you, if you don't have confidence in what you're doing or if you're new to sport, cause it'll read like within 30 seconds per mile at any time. So if it's like too fast or too slow, it could kind of throw you off. But one tip that I kind of have is, using the face on your Garmin, if you are a Garmin owner, um, that's lap pace versus the pace that you're going at any given second. Um, I think it's a second screen down if you just use the arrows. Um, that will help you because it tells you like what you're on pace for during that lap of your workout. So I would rather see, you know, oh, I'm 800 meters in and I'm on pace to hit this mile in 630 rather than look down and my watch says you're going seven minute pace. That doesn't, it's not as helpful to me because I I would rather know what I'm on track to hit my pace for, um, which was, has been really helpful for me seeing that versus uh, the main screen on there um, and hitting workouts outside. But another way the track can be helpful it's kind of the same concept. Um, if you figure out what your pace is, so let's say you have to go eight minute pace, super, you know, another super easy one where it's just simple math. Um, it's rarely this easy, but you know, if you're going eight minute pace, that's going to be a two minute 400. That's going to be, uh, well, like a one minute 200. So what you can do is just have your watch, you know, you could even use a stopwatch. You could use your regular watch, but just knowing like when you hit the 200 meter mark, when you hit the 400 meter mark, what your watch is supposed to read and just making sure you're like always staying within, you know, a second or two of that and then adjusting as needed. Um, I think that's a really good way to start. Also, if you don't have access to either one of those, uh, just going more effort based, I think is definitely helpful. But like you said, finding a flat stretch, cause man, it's, it's really challenging to get a good read and to be able to like pat yourself on the back for hitting your pace as if there was hills everywhere. It's like, you, it's hard to know. Um, you push it harder to try to hit those paces, and then you're you're actually dipping into the next, the faster system, and that's not what we always want. So, there's going to be a time and place for those, you know, rolling hill runs. Um, but as far as like a workout, you know, we don't want you to feel the need to try to s- stress the body more just to get to that pace. Um, I always like seeing athletes when they write, you know, the comments in their log, and it's it basically implies that they could have done maybe one more, and they left feeling like. It was a good workout and they weren't completely taxed. When they write about how difficult it was and how exhausted they were, I get worried about like how long it might take them to recover. And so I really like it when they, you know, they finish feeling like there's a little bit more in the tank because then they're going to be hungry for more. 
Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. It, I would rather see um, a little bit under pace, like the first couple reps and then, you know, hitting right on pace and just making sure we're not slowing down within the workout. Cause then you, we're not spending a lot of time at threshold. So like, let's say you, you go out a little bit too fast. So then you're dipping anaerobic, then you only get two intervals that are actually at your threshold before you start to slow down. Um, then we're kind of defeating the purpose of the workout. So it's really important I'd rather have you do the first one at marathon pace and then get the rest of the, you know, four reps at your threshold because then you're spending so much more time at your actual threshold than you would be if you, you know, go out anaerobic, you only get one at threshold and then you slow down. So just thinking about um, the purpose of each workout is really helpful. Uh, When I go to the, the track, you know, I always do like this mental prep and think to myself, okay, what is the point of this workout? Um, And usually if it's a threshold type workout, we're going to have the shorter rests and then I always, I hate having short rest because it, it always kind of, oh, it's, it's not enough to fully recover. But then I say to myself, that's the purpose, you know, like you don't want to be going so fast that you can't recover in your 60 seconds, right? So just really game planning, mentally prepping. And then when you are in each interval, reminding yourself, you only get 60 seconds stress before you have to do this again. So really like slow down and just giving yourself cues like that can definitely help. But I think, you know, talking about all this and like realizing all the benefits, it really makes me want to like go and do a tempo run because I'm like, oh, this, this is what you need. You know, like these are like the number one, um, workouts I think for athletes. And, you know, back when I first started my, um, you know, coaching and basically my athletic journey, you know, when you first introduce workouts for me, I was just always under this this misconception that like speed workouts like made you fast and they do, but it's a different system you're stressing. And so you can do 200 meter, 400 meter, 800 meter, super fast till the cows come home. But like, that's not actually going to help you, um, in a marathon distance race. Cause you really got to build that aerobic system. And you have to think, you know, like we said, 20% of your running each week. So if you're running 40 miles a week, that's eight miles per week can be dedicated to workouts. That's all you get. And if you're using all of that up, doing the wrong type of workouts, you are not going to reach your potential in the sport as quickly as you could. Um, and I, I was under, you know, the impression for so many years when I first started that like speed workout was like the bread and butter. Just if I can run super fast for an 800 or for, you know, these short intervals that it was going to like translate to these longer distance races. And that's just not really the case. Um, you know, a marathon they say is about 99% aerobic. So you're not really using any of that anaerobic stuff, um, that anaerobic system at all during a marathon, which I think is interesting to bring up because I know a really popular workout, um, is the Yazos 800 meter. And that's a, that's a workout where you're doing about eight to 10, 800 meter repeats at about, you, you know, like 5k, 10k pace. And that's like, supposedly they, they label that as a marathon workout, um, and I see a lot of people still still doing it and still like to do that workout, which might it maybe it's okay you know it's not it's not a bad workout, but you know if if you only get eight miles a week and you just use if you're constantly doing yazos, you have to think what am I missing out on right so like what is the benefit of these yazos eight hundreds versus doing something else. So Jason, I'd love to hear like your input on, you know, doing all those 800 meter repeats, or I've even seen people in a marathon training cycle doing like, you know, a bunch of 400s and 200s. And like, what is your 
take on that? I mean, I think if you're talking about Yazos 800s um, specifically and how that kind of um, is, it's similar to VDOT where they project what you could be able to run is what they're saying for, you know, the marathon distance. If you can run this many 800s at this pace, but I can tell you what myself, I could easily run the eight to 10, 800s at 240 pace on the track and struggle to run. That does not mean I'm going to even touch 240 in a marathon. So it's really about, are you establishing your, you know, your aerobic system as well? Are you getting the tempo and the threshold work in? Cause that's going to be probably more important. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously some fitness benefits to, to doing that workout, but you have to look at what your goals are. And, um, I would not get too, uh, too excited about what your, what those workouts are, in t- are telling about your fitness. Right. I think that's really funny. You know, we bring that up and you were using yourself as an example. I, I'm thinking about this, this guy who we brought up earlier, who was a 154, 800 meter runner. I mean, I bet if he was back in his college days, he could have done eight of them at, well, yeah, I we mean, do them at, we do 800s and 210, 210, 215, but that does not mean just cause he can do that workout, right? Like eight by 800, 215. That does not mean at all that he is in shape to run a 215 marathon. It, it doesn't, like, it's, it's almost like apples and oranges. But, like, we did say, you know, he could, like, he has the potential to run a 215 marathon. If he trained and, the right way. Right, so yeah. if he trained the right way. And that's where it kind of gets weird because it's like we have to look at all of what you have been doing. It's like a projection. It would almost be like him running a 5K, and then we look at the 5K time and say, all right, that means you're you could potentially run this in the marathon, but it doesn't necessarily give you the green light. Oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, he's in 215 marathon shape at all. Um, so what I like to look at as a coach and just an athlete in general, um, I look at you know the compilation of everything. Like how many miles per week have they been running? Like how consistently have they been training? Um, you know the long runs. You look at all of the quality workouts. Doing a marathon training block, I tell you what, I would want all of my training, like almost all of it to be, um, you know, steady states, tempos. I would rather have myself do, you know, a tempo run in the place of Yazzles. Because once you've kind of done it, you you know, like what sort of fitness you're in and you don't need to keep repeating it within the cycle. Um, I think the purpose of Yazzles could be to do in place of like a race, like let's say you couldn't get a race in um, during your training cycle, like a 5K, 10K, and you just kind of want to see what type of fitness you're in, um, that could give you, you know, that sort of <laughs> information. But as far as like a race simulation, I definitely don't think it's a race simulation workout. Um, I think you'd be better off doing like 16 miles with a bunch of, you know, steady state marathon pace work within there. Um because it just better simulates the event that you're doing, right? So, you know, a bunch of 5K pace, 5K, 10K pace stuff is not simulating a marathon. Because a marathon, you're working a different system, um, and you're going to want to really improve that aerobic uh, base. But I think that does kind of come into, you know, if you are training for a marathon block, like what are some of the, the bread and butter workouts that you like to prescribe or do yourself, Jason? Um, I mean, there's so many. I just... I, I like variety because I don't like doing the same thing. So some of my athletes might see I may do um, 
I may do mile repeats or I may break it up by minutes and I may do like a 20 minute progression tempo and then a 10 minute at slightly faster and then a five minute slightly faster. Um, so they're kind of running faster throughout on tired legs. I've also done the, the opposite where they do some shorter, um, a little bit quicker stuff first, like starting with some threshold blocks um, and then ending with kind of that longer tempo, that steady state so that you're still having to kind of uncomfortably run a long tempo while you're, you know, should be a little bit fatigued already. So I just like to mix it up, um, give variety. I like mile repeats. I like alternating tempos, broken tempos. Um, so, and then I like to do a similar workout maybe three, four weeks later to kind of compare the two just to see, check, check progress and see if they're kind of, you know, showing any progress yet at all. So Great. Yeah, I think this was a really useful podcast for a lot of people going into their 2020 training cycles and just kind of understanding the differences within tempos. I know that we talked a lot about, you know, technical stuff and maybe kind of went over some things pretty quickly there for some of you listening. But uh, we definitely love this topic and we love, you know, if people have questions specifically relating to their VDOT or like how they should be doing tempos within their training cycle and what workouts would be most beneficial for them. Um, that's definitely something that we love to answer any questions that you have. So just feel free to anytime shoot us an email. Um, you can check out our website, fill out the form on our website, and we literally will email you right away, same day. Um, so it's www.runforprs.co and fill out the form there. We You can chat with Jason or myself um, at any time or any of our other coaches here. And if you have any questions or feedback, we would love to hear from you. And thanks again for tuning in.